to be one of my best friends. Welcome in one and only Justin DeHaas to the show. Justin, thanks for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you doing, Austin? Oh, I'm doing so well. It's so, so great to hear your voice. I miss you a ton. I'm excited to start, uh, start talking about some ASU football. Let's start there, because obviously the record is not, not what you want. 3-7 and seven overall, 2-5 and five in conference. But looking at the schedule, really it's, in my opinion, one bad loss and then a bunch of other winnable games. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm going to just kind of say it straight up. I think this is a really easy trap game for a lot of teams. I think it's a, a trap game for Oregon this week. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, when you look at, uh, I mean, you mentioned one loss. I mean, honestly, probably two because you got the Utah one, 55-3, and then you got the Fresno State one, 29-0. But beside that, every other game, ASU's been in it. And I, and I think that's that's kind of an important to note is is looking at the schedule. You know, Fresno State, it's not great to be shut out, shut out by, by Fresno State, especially at home. But a 29 nothing loss there. A two-score loss to USC that – was closer that it was close for for a while of that game a three-point loss to cal a three-point loss to colorado a game against washington where there were plenty of opportunities and the defense played well and then of course the loss to to utah but you know two and one over the last three weeks it's it's been a good stretch what has kind of changed in these last three weeks for the sun devils that that you feel like has has kind of turned the tide for them yeah, I think Trenton Bourget, he's done enough to get the victories. I think early on he dealt with some injuries. Talk about that Fresno State game. He got injured in that one. And then he also got injured in the Utah game as well. So, I mean, when you look at why they got crushed in those games, part of the reason is because their third-string quarterback, or I guess maybe backup, but depending on how you look at the depth chart, like he got injured in both of those games. And every other game that he's, been able to play in they've had a chance um i mean they haven't really pulled through in many of those like you alluded to but um yeah i mean look last couple games um you know been able to get some victories and i mean i think him being able to you know be good enough to get you to victory but um i mean last game was really cam scadaboo scored two touchdowns and i mean you know he does everything for the squad one of the best running backs in the pack so I mean, you look at that backfield with him and uh, Borgay. I mean, it's it's been, it's been solid. It's not great by any means, but it, it can it can get you a victory for sure. And, and we talk about the the quarterback position. You alluded to it a little bit. Trenton Borgay has been serviceable over the last couple of weeks, especially. But the Sun Devils have had six different players take a snap at quarterback. Jalen Conyers and Cam Scadaboo have had, you know, I I think more pass attempts than either of them would have expected coming into the season. Um. But going into this week, we just got the news yesterday. Jaden Rashada at least is is healthy enough to practice. How much of an impact do you think this makes going into this week? Um, yeah, I mean, look, the Rashada news is big. Um, I don't think he's going to play. I think it is going to be Borgay again. Um, but, I mean, if Rashada – the thing is, Rashada can play these last two games and still keep his red shirt because he only played two games to start the season, so – um, I mean, look, if he was healthy enough, I'm sure Kenny would love to throw him out there as he was uh, the starter in week one and two, but um, I don't think he'll be out there. But, yeah, just the fact that he's back and practicing and, you know, looking good, it's it's encouraging to see. And you would like to think that it's uh, hopeful for the future, but with the day and age that we live in with college football, you just never know. But maybe he can end the season well. We'll see. And you, you talked about Kim Scadaboo a little bit. 
he was someone that, that I think, and for fair reason, you know, kind of fell under the radar in, in terms of the transfer portal this last offseason. But I'm sure I, I, for Arizona State fans, for Arizona State media, he's just been a joy to, to be able to watch. What was kind of the perception of him on in, in terms of the Arizona State media going into the year? And how has that changed? What has it been like watching him this year? Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of people expected him to be RB1 coming in, but I don't think enough people expected him to really carry the load as much as he had. Um, he's a kid who comes from Sac State, was the player of the year um, in their conference, and so the big guy that is. And, you know, he, he took the step up to Power 5 football, and that's not easy to do coming from the SCS, but he's been able to do that with flying colors. I mean, Obviously, as a running back, he's huge, but he has some passing touchdowns. He has some really nice punts. Like, he literally does everything for this squad, and he's just a, a Swiss Army knife, if you will, and really, really a big reason why ASU has the three wins that they do. One of the things that, that you and I have talked about a lot is is just that I, I think we both kind of think this is gonna, going to be a, a bull team next year. This is a team with a lot of talent, and I think – that kind of starts with, with the skill positions. We mentioned Cam Skadaboo, but Elijah Badger, Jalen Conyers have both been really, really good this year. What's the outlook looking like, not just this year, but kind of in future seasons at the receiver position? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, when, uh, you know, you start the year with a bull ban and, you know, you start with all that kind of stuff, it, it can get you really down. But overall, three wins, I think it's probably maybe a little better than expected considering the circumstances. But, yeah, I mean, look, you mentioned Elijah Badger. Um, he has been huge for the squad. And Jalen Conyers, that's the thing, is, like, ASU probably has, like, one of the better skill position groups in the in the Pac-12 with Scadaboo, Badger, and Conyers, who are all one of the best in their respective positions. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, ASU got some, some transfers over the offseason that they've been trying to mix in. Omira is so involved. Um, Sanders was a guy who was good last year, but um, hasn't really done as much in this year. So you've got a bunch of guys who um, Borgay can't throw to. Um, and that's why he has been somewhat successful in his tenure so far this season. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, it should, be, it should be really fun looking forward to next year um, when, you know, maybe you can get a healthy Rashada back. Maybe you can get, you know, some of these other guys to come back and, you know, kind of run it back with Dilly because Dillingham has done a great job, as you know, from Oregon, has been able to really instill um, just a boost of energy into the squad. Moving on to the defense, you know, we, we talk about the skill position players being huge. The defense, to me, has been kind of the most surprising unit because, I, weirdly enough, as I've said on Smack a couple times this year, I've watched a lot of ASU football because it feels like they are putting other teams on an upset alert every week. And the defense is, has really impressed me this year. I feel like they're they're constantly getting to the quarterback. And, and more than anything, they're just constantly coming up in big spots. What have you seen on the defensive end from the Sun Devils this year? What's What, what are kind of the strengths and weaknesses of this defense? Yeah, I mean, I think when you look at this defense, the first thing that comes to my mind is the performance that they had against Washington, Michael Penix, who at that time, was the Heisman favorite in Seattle. And, I mean, they only gave 15 points, and, heck, six of those were off of pick six. So, um, you know, the defense was absolutely stellar um, in that. And you mentioned strengths and weaknesses. Um, one of the biggest weaknesses, at least early on in the season, was the lack of turnovers. Um, they had one turnover 
against USC. Um, but that was really just the Caleb Williams fumbling the snap and wasn't really anything the ASU defense necessarily did to enforce that. But um, talk about that Washington game. Had a couple picks off of Penix. And, I mean, look, that really kind of changed their season a little bit in terms of the turnover department. And, you know, they've been producing all year. It's just the turnover kind of at the beginning of the year. We're a little lower than you expect. I think they're starting to, you know, come back to the mean a little bit. And, yeah, the defense is the best part about this team. Brian Ward has done an excellent job in his first year as a D.C. for ASU. And, I mean, he got rewarded for that by getting a three-year extension. So, um, you know, props to him for that and for being able to do a lot with his defense. But, yeah, like you said, just rush the quarterback. And, I mean, only gave seven points to UCLA last week, right on their third-string quarterback. But, Still, a kid from Kent State that uh, was one of the very transfers. It's, it's been pretty good for ASU. One of the things that I've been most impressed by, kind of the the intangibles of, of ASU that I've seen so far, is just their ability to game plan for different teams in different ways, right? We, going up against Washington, it was clear they, they they wanted to slow the pace down. It seems like they're always reliant on their defense, but again, they're able to, to game plan for each team differently. And I mean, really, it's worked. Being able to, with I, what we can all kind of agree is, is a relatively large talent differential in some of these games against a USC, um, against a Washington, where it's just, it, it feels like they are the better coach team and they're, they're the more uh, ready team for the challenge. What does, what does Oregon have to do kind of this weekend, or what does ASU have to do, I should say, to take down Oregon? Oregon stuff, man. They're a wagon, as you know. I think when you look at the pac well as a whole, um, I might make the claim that a team like Arizona is the hottest, but when you look at Oregon, I mean, they've been hot all year, Greg, and the one loss to Washington, but even recently with what they did to Utah and USC, like, they've, they've been hot, but ASU doesn't really seem phased um, really at all in their high-profile matchups. I mean, you mentioned USC early in the year. That was at a point where USC was rolling, Caleb Williams was still getting the love from everybody and USC was at the top of the world. And I thought, Oh, they're just going to come into Tempe and they're just going to roll ASU. And, you know, it's family weekend. Like I'm going to watch that game with my mom and I'm going to cry basically with her, but no, they came in and I mean, they were able to make it a competitive game the entire time. And you look at, you know, same thing. Oh, they're going up to Seattle. Oh, okay. They're definitely going to lose this one. Like there's no chance that they win in Seattle against probably the best team pack. Well, they should have won that game, quite frankly, after the way it played out. So, I mean, overall, you look at Oregon, and they're such a tough test, but with a home game for ASU, and it's, it's, I don't think they're, I don't think they really care. I think uh, Billy Hammond always says in his press conferences, nobody cares, and I think that really means a lot when it comes to when you got a team like Oregon coming in doesn't really phase them. They're just going to play the way they do, and they know they have one of the best defenses in the conference, and they're going to try to stop O'Nick as much as they can. Moving on to volleyball, because we did say we would talk a little volleyball today. Uh, man, Arizona State volleyball is, like, really good. And I – they – you know, I don't, I don't know – Actually, I want to. I want to hear what was what was the perception of the team coming into this year? Did people think they were going to be this good? Did people think that on November fifteenth, twenty eight matches into the year, to, into the year, they would be twenty four and four? Not at all. Um, you look at last year, ASU had a losing record in women's volleyball, and then 
they fire their coach. They get J.J. Van Neal, assistant from USC. And uh, it's a lot of the same girls from last year. Um, so, you know, you lost Iman Asadovich, who was a senior and, you know, probably your best player. But you still get, you know, a lot of the girls back. You get, you know, some transfers in. And, you know, I mean, I think people probably thought they'd be, like, middle of the pack. Like, okay, you know, you got a new coach. Maybe they could be a little bit better. But, I mean, they're not going to be a tournament team necessarily. But they start off the year 14-0. and 0 And, People are saying, oh, well, they just played a week non-conference. Like, they're not really that good. Well, then they go in the Pac-12 play, beat your Oregon Ducks up in Eugene, sweep them in three sets, and then come down. And then uh, Stanford comes down to Tempe, number three team in the country. They get swept in three sets. So, I mean, clearly ASU has demonstrated that they're one of the best teams in the Pac. And as we all know, if you're one of the best teams in the Pac, you're one of the best teams in the country when it comes to volleyball. And so, yeah, I mean, the – there weren't that many expectations coming into this year, but I think J.J. Van Neal is a little ahead of schedule. Um, and, you know, normally you like to think, oh, well, you know, first year as a coach, you know, it's probably going to be their worst year. They have to have a couple of years under them to get their recruits and transfers, but hasn't really been the case. And, uh, I mean, it's a really senior-led group. I think that's a big part of it, too. And maybe next year they falter a little bit because they're going to lose some of their seniors. But right now this is a special group, and they can do some damage. Yeah, they, they really don't have any bad losses. Like, looking at the schedule, getting swept by number three Stanford at home, is, is that's not a bad loss. The Oregon State loss, okay, but that's a five-setter away. Boulder is an unbelievable, unbelievably difficult place to play against a solid Colorado team. And then, you know, the USC loss isn't, isn't great, but still, that's away. Like, this is, this is a really, really good team without many holes um, in their schedule. I, I mean, I, honestly, I feel like you kind of you kind of answered all of my all, all of my questions in your spiel there. So so thank you. Um, what's the what's the outlook for the rest of the year for for the Sun Devils uh, on the hardwood? Because again, like you said, I don't think people expected before the season this to be a tournament team. At this point, they're a lock. How how far do you think this team can go? Yeah, I mean, look, I think when you get to the tournament, anything can happen, right? But um, you know, I, I like ASU's chances. I mean. They've demonstrated that they can beat some of the top teams in the country. Now, I am a little curious to see when it comes to tournament what they look like against teams from other conferences. As I mentioned, a little bit of a weak non-conference, but that was also earlier in the season, and you know maybe not necessarily the same squad as it was earlier. I think there's a lot of cohesion that happens over the course of the season, and uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think they're coming in dangerous, coming in hot. Like I said, senior week this week for. A lot of these, uh, a lot of these girls, and they're gonna wanna, they're not gonna wanna lose, and uh, when they before they have to leave. So I mean, I'm, think, I'm thinking this is gonna be a pretty good, pretty good run for them. I mean, I don't know if they'll win it necessarily, but they, they they'll definitely have a strong shot for sure. Oregon will face the Sun Devils in Tempe on Friday at 6 p.m. KWVA will be on the call, as will I believe another CCL guy, right? Jonah Krell is the voice of, of volleyball for for Cronkite. If I'm Jonah not Krell, yes sir. Well, Justin, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, for for you personally, what's what's been your your fall? What what has your fall looked like uh, covering Arizona sports? What have you been up to? Yeah, so um, I just wrote my first article um, for one of the clubs we have here at Cronkite. Um, I cover uh, men's basketball for ASU, and so you can check that out at Cronkite Sports. And uh, I mean, look, if you want to read my article, it's just I don't know, just check out my Twitter at the Justin DeHoss and. Uh, you can just see some of the cool stuff um, I'm doing. We also got a new 
show for our radio station at Cronkite. It's called Four on Four. It's got four experts on the four major sports and stuff. Friday. Is, is it my four favorite people at Cronkite? It is your four favorite people at Cronkite. It is my three roommates and myself. So, um, yeah, we have it Friday. Um, it's noon our time, which means it's going to be 11 a.m. Pacific. And it goes from noon to 1 or 11 to 12 or whatever time zone you're in. It's in that range. So, um, yeah, you can check those out. But that's just kind of what I'm doing right now. I was going to tell you to, to plug your Twitter and plug your work, and I didn't, <laughs> didn't even have to. You knew I was already going to do it. I, you don't have to promise I, I, knew, I knew it was coming. Justin, thank you so much for, for coming on the show today. I miss you a ton. Glad you're doing well. Thanks for talking some Sun Devil sports. All right. Thank you for having me. All right. That was Justin DeHaas from Cronkite Sports. Always awesome to have Justin on. We're going to step aside. 